the information collector mindset or the I'll be ready after I read these three more books mindset, right? You, you've got you've to implement things. You've got to make mistakes. You've got to put real eyeballs on your stuff. You've got to make real cold calls, send real cold emails, whatever the, the right mechanism uh, is in your, in your area. You're listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Putnam. Welcome back to another episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I'm joined today by Oliver Canton. And if you follow him on Twitter, you'll know that this man has all of the ins and outs that it would seem of anything related to marketing, sales, customer service, building an agency. And the guy's just a information powerhouse. So Oliver, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Thank you for having me, Jeff. I'm excited to chat with you, and I am humbled by your beard compared to my beard here on Zoom. Uh, I wouldn't call what you have a beard. That's uh, that's my well, knees, no. basically. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's starting off. Okay, I see. I see. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I guess we'll break right into it. You are successfully, and I'll say successfully because anybody who's done it as long as uh, you have, I'm not there yet, but anybody who's been self-employed for roughly a year, it's safe to say that they are successful at being self-employed. So with that said, you're self-employed, you've got information products, you're getting ready to start breaking into the physical product realm, which is kind of my area of expertise. I'm in both. But uh, how has life been treating you differently since you, you know, I know how it is for me, but since you've escaped yeah. the nine to five and the rat race, um, yeah. what are some of the things you've noticed? Big question. Uh, so, so yeah, I've been not employed by an organization for just over a year. It's, it's almost 13 months now. And, you know, my original desire was to be location independent. I'm in Canada and to escape winters. That what, that's what was the driving force behind doing something of my own. Um, I've been at it um, for a long time. I had a startup, um, in 2014, um, that was already location independent, um, but we ran it locally. Uh, we got some funding and we didn't go anywhere. I had two business partners. So I went back to the corporate world in 2016. And in 2017, again, I was very eager to do something, but I was all over the place, right? We talk often on Twitter about shiny object syndrome. So I had the shiniest syndrome. Uh, I was trying to do everything. And then finally, uh, in early 2019, when I decided to do one thing, which in my case was to create an agency um, in one particular niche, I started in dental. Um, it's been a wild ride, man. So I was able to, from the day I decided to do that and focus on that, um, about six months later, I, I quit my job. And that was July, 2019. And since then, uh, I've since co-founded another business in the health space with someone that people may know, PD Mangan. And I have achieved that location independence. So I've spent time in the sun, uh, you know, last winter before the whole pandemic. Uh, but I am definitely not in the four hour work week thing. And that's not really what I want anyway. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I work all the time. I work a lot, but I, I love what I do. And, and maybe one last thing I'll, uh, I'll touch on is I really do believe passion comes after proficiency, right? The, the, the folks listening that might be saying, Oh, I need to monetize my passion. Well, some passions can be monetized, but often it's better to pick a skill, get good at one skill. And as you get better, you like it more and then work becomes play. So that's, that's been my experience. Yeah. I don't think if your passion is basket weaving that you're going to be able to monetize that, uh, at least in an online space in a first world country. Um, but that said, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, I did not like what I was doing when I started rugged legacy. I mean, I was doing it for free 
uh, for myself. You know, I rugged legacy started when I could not find any men's grooming products that I particularly, you know, liked myself. And so I went online and I started looking up recipes to just make my own because everything that I could find at a big box store was, you know, it, it smelled like a 14 year old on prom night. You know, it was, it, it was terrible. Um, kind of how you look with that, you know, little scratch. I, I knew, I knew that was coming. Yeah, it had to. But when I started doing it for, uh, you know, retail per, you know, purposes, I had originally thought I was just going to do like some small Etsy, you know, shop and Hey, I make it at home. Da, 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 da. That quickly spun out of control and I couldn't meet the demand, which is a good problem to have. But, when I was having to go to work at 6.30 in the morning with a box full of orders and then drop them off on the way to work at the post office. And then while I was at work, orders would come in. I'd text my wife. She would turn around and pack the orders, and I'd come home on my lunch break, pick up another box, drive back to work, drop them off, and then – that evening, hey, I got all these other orders. We need to pack them up so I can take them in the morning. It, it, I did not enjoy that one bit. I mean, it was exciting, but I didn't enjoy it. It was when I became proficient and I hired a manufacturer and I hired a shipping company and I hired a warehouse that it became fun. You know, there's nothing fun about hustling. I don't, I, you know, you, you and I see that all the time, especially on, you know, money Twitter. You got to hustle, bro. Yeah, hustling's okay until you get burned out, but you want to end your hustle as quickly as possible. There, there, yeah, there, there's this, you know, this inspo porn or this cult of even productivity, right? What you ultimately want is to, so in your case specifically, you identified a problem that needed solving and I don't think everyone needs to be their own buyer persona or customer avatar or, or, or market, uh, but it helps, right? So it, you solved the problem that you had, and it just so happened that other people had that same problem. You hustled in the beginning to make it work. It wouldn't have made sense to say, okay, well, I figured out a solution. Let's spend a hundred thousand in, in, you know, doing an, a run of 10,000 units, right? Or whatever the, the margins are. Um, you figured out what works and then you could interview and plan an actual structure. But to your point, if you're constantly struggling and hustling and doing everything on your own, you just bought yourself a job, right? It's kind of like if you bought a small McDonald's franchise and you were the cashier and the cook and the cleaner. I'm not saying it's bad, but is that really better than a standard job where you go home at 5 PM? It's, it's probably not. Right. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is the whole idea of starting something on your own is to eventually go as hands off as possible. Like you want to own the company, not be, and you can even be the face of the company, but you don't want to be, employee of the month, you know, in <laughs> yeah. your own company, you know, you, you want to get his hands off as quickly as possible. Now you mentioned you, um, had built two agencies, uh, nobody on Twitter outside of the agency guys seem to know what the hell that is. So maybe you could break that down as far as, it, cause it, it's a very generic term. I know what it is. You know, yeah. I've, uh, we, we know, uh, we each both know uh, Ryan Booth, but well, we, we also yeah. both know his real, his real last name. But, um, you know, he, he's an agency guy. And outside of his circle and the other guys who are agency guys, no one knows what it is. So maybe you could break that down for the listeners. I'd, I'd be happy to. So a uh, so couple things I'll, I'll touch on here. So you've got a problem you're solving for someone, and then you, you've got the way that you solve that problem. In, in the marketing world, um, I've tweeted about this several times over the past couple of weeks, and it's this, you don't want to have a quote unquote social media marketing agency. You may be solving a problem 
using social media and you probably should in some capacity, unless you're a purely email marketing agency, but you don't want to be generically saying, I will post on Facebook. I will make videos. You want to solve an actual problem. So my two businesses are, I have one agency. So it's in, you know, in marketing speak, we would say that's a done for you agency where I solve specific problems in specific sub niches. So I started in dental and I only do one thing for people in dental. It's I help them attract high paying patients or high value patients. So meaning I don't just do what some people call lead generation. I have a whole system where I help them identify hot patient prospects in their area, warm them up and then get them to book an appointment and show up for, for things like Invisalign braces. So that is a high value patient. So I've done things like that in other verticals, but that's what I do. I will help a business owner attract a highly valuable client or, or patient. And do I use social media? Absolutely. I'll use Facebook. I'll use Instagram. I might do SEO uh, in some cases. I might build a funnel, but those are tools that are part of my solution. You want to attack a very specific niche with a select problem that is valuable for them to solve. You want to be able to create a unique offer. So my, you know, my agency didn't invent Facebook, obviously, right? But I have a unique name for what I do. I have a unique system and it's basically me arranging the pieces of the puzzle in a certain way, presenting them in a certain way. And that's why I charge a minimum of $5,000 per month to work with my team. And I don't do $300 a month social media marketing. Right. So that's, that's one thing. And I'll just add one, one more piece here. The other thing that you can do, so obviously you can start as a freelancer, right? And have one skill, that's fine. But eventually it generally makes sense to have an agency and a small team. And then the other, the other piece is coaching. So my other business with PD Mangan, I wouldn't call it an agency. In marketing, you, you would split between done for you, which is an agency or freelancing kind of service. And then you've got done with you, which is consulting or coaching. So this is a coaching business where PD partners with people that want to re-engineer and optimize their health. That might mean fat loss. That might mean building muscle. That might mean addressing a specific issue. Like let's say someone had Lyme disease and they've never fully recovered, something like that. So as a, as a marketer, you can solve a problem directly on your own with people. You can create an agency and solve that problem with bigger scale, or you can coach others to do the same. So right to go back to Ryan, Ryan Booth, Ryan Homer, he's not, you know, I don't think he's secretive about his name. So he started out as a done for you agency with financial advisors. And now he has a done with you coaching program where he teaches people to go from a freelancer or smaller agency to, as you said, a business owner with predictable lead generation, uh, sales cycles, and more productized service delivery, if you will. Right. And that's generally the scale of progression when it comes with freelancing. Um, I know you've heard of drop servicing. And um, that's maybe we should, maybe we should define that. Our, I would probably call it white labeling. Um, it's similar. Uh, wh what I've seen in the past, and I think I've talked about this with a, a few other guests, um, with the drop servicing aspect, um, let's say you were my client and you wanted a website built, but I know absolutely nothing about web design. And so I created a landing page and a funnel that led you to me for web design and part of my copy and my pitch told you that I have a team of web developers. You give me the, the project, you're paying me $2,000 for your web page. You know, low ball, but you know, it's a nice little chunk of change for someone just starting up their web page. 
And so then I turn around and I go to a freelancer and I give the project for him and he's only charging a thousand. Of course, I made a thousand, he made a thousand, you got your site. And a lot of people don't realize that that is generally what a small team agency is. You'll have freelancers that are on a retainer that you're paying them off of what your retainer is paying you for your clients. And so it's very easy to get started in that. Uh, I don't recommend using free services like Upworks or Fiverr. You can find independent freelancers that are more reliable than those people. Um, but generally, that is the basic structure of setting up a freelance agency for a particular skill. Uh, yes, and, and just to, to build on that, um, you, are, you are also able to, so, you know, drops, basically, you can either find your own clients, do the work yourself, you can find your own clients, build a small team, you know, in-house or virtually, but that's your team. You can contract out pieces here and there, or you could literally be a sales and marketing operation and white label all service delivery. So you can use, there's two platforms. One of them is called, there's, there's probably more, but the two I know are Dashclicks and Vendesta. So I have not used them myself. I've considered and looked at it that I decided not to move forward uh, at this time. But you, if you know how to attract leads and you know how to sell, you can literally be a subscriber of one of those two platforms and select from their a la carte service, review the work, give them feedback. So kind of still manage the project, but not have to find an individual freelancer or, uh, or virtual assistant or whatever the case may be. Right. Um, and I think part of that is knowing how to sell if you're going to go that route. A lot of people think selling is saying, I have this product, it costs this much, buy it. And there's so much more that goes into it. That's how I was when I first started on Rugged Legacy. And it made me maybe $300. <laughs> well, you know, that's what it, it, you know, it generated for me. But not very many people know how to put together an offer, you know, with your product the price, the terms, and bonuses. They don't realize that it's a progressive scale. You know, when they read your offer, your offer should be a journey that tells them what they're getting. You know, for example, it's a, a $50 workout program that comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and as a bonus, you get a coaching call for an hour or one free session of personal training. You know, that's an entire journey. That's an offer. You know, it includes everything. And hey, if I'm not happy, I get my money back. So that builds that security that um, incentivizes their purchase because they know that they can always get their money back. And a lot of people you, think, your, yeah. here's an offer. <laughs> that's an offer. Buy it, please. And it doesn't work that way. No, and, and to your point, right, that's, that's how you don't have to be a plus at everything, right? Like you don't have to be literally the greatest web designer, the best media buyer, the best copywriter. You have to obviously be able to do the job. Like, I, I don't think I am an A plus copywriter. My, my wife does most of the media buying with respect. I don't think she's A plus, right? There are, there are people that are at another level that, you know, they'll charge you a hundred thousand dollars to even pick up the phone, right? Don't let her listen to this episode. Um, well, let's say she's an A minus or, or an A, uh, but you know, um, your offer should give people clarity that you know what their problems are and you know how to solve them. And the important thing is people getting a good return, right? So if I give you the example of an agency client, let's say a client pays me $5,000 per month and invests, let's say 6,000 in ads. So that's $11,000 in you know, an actual investment. So my goal there, I want to return at least three times as much in revenue. So just to keep an easy number, if they give me 10, so five to me, five to Facebook or to Instagram, if I'm doing paid traffic, well, I want them to get at least 30 in revenue. And whether my copy is award-winning copy, whether my ad is an award-winning ad, you know, that doesn't matter. We're always improving, but I have the humility to tell you, I'm not the world's greatest copywriter. But 
we know our market so well, we've done the research and that's the benefit of working in the same niche. Now I can work with a dentist doing virtually anything in Canada, the US, that's my, my market. I've, I haven't worked with people in the UK or Australia, but I suspect that 95% of the research I've done, there, there might be some subtleties in regulation, but otherwise I know this market. I can write you 10 emails to sell a dental service now because I've done the research up front. And that's the benefit of specializing in who you work with, what specific problems you solve for them and how you're solving them. And the, the only thing that I've outsourced uh, is SEO. So I, I don't know SEO. We rarely do SEO. There was one mandate where SEO was a piece of it that, you know, to, that was a deal for, for a larger organization. So I hired a, not a cheap guy, right? So I, I paid someone, I think it was 7,500. It was a large contract and, and that made sense. But generally speaking, I stick to my strengths, a market I know, people that I have results, testimonials for. And I know that, um, you know, my wife and my team can build something uh, and we, or research in our work compounds, right? So to help, uh, you know, let's say the 14th dentist to achieve this result, well, we've done it for 13 other guys, for example. So we know we can do it. Right. And that comes with focusing on drilling down much more than casting a wider net. And it's something that I tell my clients um, quite often is when, when you're trying to specialize in something, you're not going to be able to actually realize that goal if you're trying to be a jack of all trades and everything else. Because you can always dig deeper into any concept. Um, one of my products is a... Uh, you know, the quick start side hustle guide. And there's four or five different uh, things in there. And I give, you know, anything a beginner would need in there to get started on those things. Um, just recently, um, as you know, and you will actually be a part of uh, the course creator guide, you know, the online course creation. In my quick start side hustle guide, I list out some very basic things. The drilling down is in this new product where I focus specifically on the course creation. And then in that, I drill down deeper into specifically online video course creation. And so you can always continue to drill down and drill down and drill down and drill down and drill further and increase the value of what it is you do. But if I said, I'm going to release 20 different products in 20 different niches, I might get 20 customers and that'll be it. And, and you won't, you know, the, the way you can own or, or be prominent in a niche is that is by specializing, right? If you, if you have a fitness guide, a dating guide, a side hustle guide, and, you know, I can name 20 more things, people will say, well, either Jeff is a genius or Jeff is full of shit. Right. Yeah. So there's power in, as you said, going deep and narrow at first, obviously, if I, if I continue my example, right? So now I know how to help service-based health providers. So I have worked now with a chiropractor, a hair restoration clinic, a handful of other things, um, you know, around that area. Uh, but if someone comes to me, like, let, I mean, let me just make something up. Let, let's say a barbershop. So I have nothing against barbershops. I love barbershops. Uh, one, they are a low margin provider. So that would be one kind of red flag. And I would have to start from scratch. So now when I charge someone $5,000 as a new dentist, I've done the research, right? So I can go and execute and I have, I have frameworks and tools. I would have to start at zero for that, that barber. And I value my time and my team's time more and more as team passes. So as time passes. So if the barber wants to pay me 5,000. Well, it's not worth 5,000 to me. So that, right. that <coughs> excuse me, that's the benefit of going really deep. I'm having a blueberry and having a hard time here. I apologize. But as you, as you move forward, you can build a seven figure in revenue agency with a high six figure profit margin 
focusing on one unique group doing one unique thing, whether it's plumbers, landscapers, roofers, etc. Um, you don't need to do everything for everyone. In fact, that's probably going to work against you. Yeah, I was going to say that's very counterproductive. Um, the jack of all trades is the handyman you see with the uh, sign that's made out of cardboard or poster board on the stop sign at the end of your street. The guys who are plumbers are getting paid 70, 80, 90, $110 an hour working specifically for themselves doing only plumbing. With Go Hunt America, you can experience your own outdoor adventure at the touch of your finger. You can find hunting, fishing, and camping spots anywhere in the U.S., put there by private landowners, and you can even list your own. It doesn't matter if it's a large tract of land or a small duck blind. Just go to GoHuntAmerica.com to get started. Coming soon to the Google Play and Apple App Store. Hey, this is Nate from Unlimited Live Concepts, and we teach people how cash flow strategy can be just as powerful as investing. Imagine being able to earn interest off of every dollar that flows through your hands, whether you're spending it or saving it. We offer a lifetime membership to our financial education platform for $77, but right now you can use promo code RUGGEDLEGACY and save 50% off. it it's you know and it's it's really simple it's in a way easier but you've got people thinking that oh it won't you know either it won't work or it couldn't work or it's too simple right there's uh many people have said that in different ways but they say you want to be a smart guy acting like a dumb guy in the beginning right you don't want to overthink things you know for me when i when i left my job i joined a a thirty thousand dollar marketing mastermind I went to an event in Nashville and at that point I was making about 20 K a month. So, you know, I was happy that was more than I was making at my job, but then I met all these people bringing in, you know, 80 K hundred K a handful bringing close to a million a month. And I met them in person. I had lunch, I had dinner, I drank with them and I discovered that there was nothing unique that they knew that I didn't. They were just going super deep in something super specific and they didn't care about looking smart. They didn't care about looking like the most sophisticated people. They cared about what works. When something worked, they doubled down, they tripled down, sometimes they 10x, right? Once you have an ad or a concept or a lead magnet that works, you know, some people put in, you know, the last three months of revenue in ads and something that works because they knew that they could print more, uh, more leads and, and ultimately more revenue. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny that you said people say it's too simple. I think, especially for beginners, when it's coming to setting up a side hustle, their own, you know, their own company, their own agency, uh, their own freelancing gigs, they overcomplicate it in their head. Because like you said, they look at, you know, when you looked at those guys who were bringing in you know, $900,000 a month, you thought they have to know something that I don't know. They have to have some Illuminati secret that I'm going to have to sell one of my kids to get. And there's nothing that they do that the guy who's making $2,000 a month does. They do the exact same thing. They've just drilled deeper and they've continued to deliver on that exact same thing over and over and over to get more attention from more people. That that's you know that's it. and the the other piece right again I, you've seen that a million times, but there's and I was guilty of this for a long time. Oh, same here. In the information collector mindset or the I'll be ready after I read these three more books mindset, right? You, you've got you've to implement things. You've got to make mistakes. You've got to put real eyeballs on your stuff. You've got to make real cold calls, send real cold emails, whatever the, the right mechanism uh, is in your, in your area. And the truth is, 
everything works, right? Ads work, physical letters work, cold calling works, door knocking works, everything works. It's a matter of your approach and your consistency. And I think anyone listening to this can learn a skill. Let's, let's say in a hundred days, right? In a hundred days, you can get quite proficient at one online marketing skill or sales or design. Then in the next hundred days, if you do outreach and you test out different tactics, there's no reason why you can't have a handful of clients if you're having a client business or, or starting to get some eyes and some sales for your, for your info product. There's really no reason, right? So in the space of a year, it is completely realistic to be strong enough. Will you have completely replaced your full-time income? It, it depends on the person, depends on the niche, but you, you can get very close there. And then if you end up, you know, buying the right courses, if you end up working with the right coaches, uh, you can skip some of the trial and error. And I'm not saying buy my course, buy my coaching. I don't have them out anyway. Uh, but sometimes that makes sense, right? We, again, another thing that you hear often, not my own unique idea, people don't bat an eye at four years in college, four years of opportunity cost, uh, $80,000 in student loan. But if I tell them I spent 30,000 on a marketing mastermind, they'll say I'm crazy. Right. And part of that is because they think, and everybody is guilty of this at some point. If I Put a car in my yard and it looks you know cherry just restored candy painted and it's got the chrome bumpers and the chrome wheels and i slap a seventy thousand dollar price tag on it someone's gonna think that there's something inside of that car that makes it worth seventy thousand dollars but you open it up there might be nothing under the freaking hood just pine needles and weeds you know but they think because of and it, it it's kind of a double-edged sword because they think that the higher price tag equals value. And while that is true in a lot of cases, because no one is going to price something um, undervalue if they know what they're doing. A lot of people do that in the beginning. They undervalue themselves. But it's kind of like how we talk about it's easier to land a $5,000 a month client than it is to land a $300 a month client. And the reason for that is the people that know something is worth $5,000 a month are going to immediately jump on that and say, okay, this is easy. This is underpriced in my opinion. $5,000 a month is a great deal versus the guys who, you know, maybe they work a, just a regular nine to five or they're, even if they can afford the five grand a month and they see a $300 a month uh, service, they're going to automatically assume that, well, it's only worth $300 a month. Now, one way to, to kind of counteract that is in your offer, you can add what I like, you know, a, a value stack where you will say X is worth $100, X is worth $1,000, X is worth $3,000. You get, you, you know, $4,100 of value for only thousand dollars that shows them you know that they're getting a little bit more bang for their buck but without that value stack and value stacks are are something that is only efficient in written format on a sales page landing page online courses things like that in real business no one gives a shit about your value stack they're going to look and see what you're charging and go well if he's charging that much it must be good and that's why they look at yeah, and they look at Harvard and they go, well, Harvard's $300,000 a year. And Harvard has this reputation that they've built over the, you know, however long they've been a university. And so everybody automatically will assume the value is tied into the price. But that's not always the case. Sometimes you're getting a great deal. So it's, it's important that you discern what you're getting. I'm, I'm with you. And, the, you know, the other piece I'll just add is also skin in the game, right? If, if you sold your course creator product for $17, or let's just say you sold it for $600, people will behave differently with the exact same information, right? Once you have a certain degree of skin in the game, and that's going to depend 
for some people, 70 might be a lot. For some people, 600 might be a little. But that idea of investing in yourself and taking things seriously. And that's why I think largely a lot of these self-help books are 20 bucks. We collect them. We've all got them in our house and we don't take action. We look for the next book instead of just, if you just took, you know, I did a tweet that was the two books that you need in terms of self-help is Atomic Habits by James Clear and How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. You really have pretty much everything you need in there. You know, how to behave, how to treat people, and then how to manage your life. That's it. You want to get more? Great, but you're much better off actually doing the things that you need to do after you've done those two books. Right. And that ties right back into what we were talking about of overcomplicating things. You know, everybody thinks that there's some hidden uh, Nepalese secret that was transcribed on some tablet by a monk. And really, if you just get those basics down and then drill down on those basics and improve on those basics, you'll be exemplary. It's that that's really it. Right. And just being very clear about who you're helping, the kind of results you bring. And, you know, you can relatively quickly and, and sometimes the local the local route is the best one. But again, we'll go back to plumbers. If you're in Charlotte, North Carolina and you look at the market, there's probably I'm just going to say 50 plumbers. Probably half of them are not even online or not very well. You could build a, a nice, simple scheduling software landing page. Give it to one, give it to two, give it to three if you want. Learn their business, sit in their office for a day, do it all for free, understand that business. Um, then start doing outreach nationally. And you don't, you, know, you don't want to compete with everyone locally, but you've proven that your model works. And then, you know, next thing you know, you've got three or four paying clients. Next thing you know, you've got 10. Then you might want to get into ads or you might want to attack a different vertical, but it, you know, it does not have to be rocket science or complicated. If you think of a client business, small business owners are not very good at marketing and they don't have time. It's, they would rather pay me or someone else. And let's, let's call it $5,000 a month instead of hiring someone that they need to manage or learning it themselves that they don't have time for. It, it really is that simple, right? Like I wish I could tell you the six magical secrets of the carved in stone ancient Romans, but there isn't. Right. And especially that last one that you were talking about with the local business owners who just don't have time to learn it. Well, that's why we as business owners outsourced what we outsourced. I outsourced all of my shipping and distribution uh, and warehousing because I didn't have the time and I didn't have the space to meet the demand needed in order to scale. So I outsourced that to someone else whose specialty was that. And so your local business owners, you, know, you can drive around to mom and pop businesses all day long in your, in your, your hometown and your neighborhood or whatever. And you can look at five businesses and then you can go and see if they're online. And if they're not online, walk in, talk to the owner, talk to the manager and say, Hey, I build websites. I can build you a website and get more people coming to your front door. And then you can build that website using friggin' Squarespace or whatever to show them what you can build them and say, this is free for the first month. If it works, I'll take X amount of dollars a month because most small businesses have a budget for their marketing, but they don't know what to do with it outside of, you know, paying some kid to, you know, put some letters up on a sign or, or do one of those spinny signs outside, maybe rent a balloon that's going to wave around that they don't know what to do with it outside of that. Couldn't agree more. And, and I'll just add to your point. If you end up doing that, which I think is a great idea, you can ask people which clients are most profitable, which clients do you want more of, which ones, some, you know, the, the best, smartest business owners will know. Some of them won't. If you have a bit of business acumen, you can help them. So, you know, for example, um, as a plumber, and I'm, I'm quickly going to show that I don't know plumbing here, but there, there is the idea of solving problems, like as a plumber, and there's the idea of like building the right systems. 
I suspect that building systems might be more profitable and predictable and it's not an emergency. I could be wrong if, if a plumber is listening, tell me I'm wrong, but I'll just use that, that analogy, right? So maybe they would be optimizing, um, optimizing things so that the basement doesn't flood. And maybe that would be a great contract for them to get. Maybe no one is positioned or few people are positioned that way in, in your town. So what if you could help a business get more of the clients they want and even help them invent an offer for a chiropractor. Maybe you speak to a chiropractor and you figure out that again, I'm making it up. Pregnant women would benefit from chiropractic services. And what if you said, well, usually a session is $80, but what if we did a five session package for $279, let's just say, right? You could invent that with them. So use your marketing acumen, help them attract more leads and sometimes even invent a new package. And you know, I just made that up now and, and you can too, right? There's not mysteries or, or magic. You can brainstorm with them. And then once you validate that that works, you can go statewide, you can go national, you can even go international. Right. And for, the, for people listening, if there's a business that is up and running right now, you don't have to wonder if helping them will help you. They're already selling their businesses. They're already selling. So if you go to any business, there is some kind of problem or system that you can solve or build for them. You know, one of the things you see with beginners is they don't, they, uh, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to sell, especially if you're you know, getting into e-com or things like that. I don't know what to sell it's not your problem when you're working with a business that's already selling. All you have to do is help them sell it better. And you know, I'll, I'll add the, some people, some people will look at the lockdowns, the quarantine, the pandemic, right? I, I don't know when you're releasing this or, or what the situation is in, in people's exact uh, location, but I'm not going to release this one until 2025. I'm just kidding. So there was a thing in 2020 guys. It was, no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> If a business is operating now, they may have government support, loans, et cetera. And you can, you know, one idea, if I was attacking a new vertical now, I would say, well, this is actually an opportunity. You can increase your market share, right? Plumbers are not a good example here, but let's say, let's say barbershops. Well, I'm sure a lot of them closed in your hometown. I'm sure a lot of restaurants closed. I'm sure a lot of retailers closed. So the ones that are still standing, they have a choice. They can play offense or they can play defense. And what better way to play offense than by improving your marketing, your sales and your systems. And you don't have to fix everything for them. Maybe you're just the SEO guy. Maybe you're just the ads guy. Maybe you're the email marketing guy or girl, but you don't want to call yourself that you want to help them you, your offer is to automate some kind of lead generation or appointment setting or transactional sales using a system that you built, that you invent a name for, and that you plug into their existing ecosystem. That's the game, whatever the vertical, whatever the niche, whatever they're selling, that's what you're doing. You're helping people either get appointments or get sales. That's it. Yeah, because the more appointments they get, the more sales they'll get. It's a, it's a numbers game. It's like that old joke. You walk up to 100 women in a bar and ask them if they want to go and have sex. You might get slapped 99 times, but you'll have sex once. So if you ask 200, you'll have sex twice. 300, you'll have sex three times. And it's just because you're increasing the amount of eyes on the product, which is your package, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, but that's it, you know, it, back to your, your point of, of overcomplicating. Can we talk skills for a second? Sure. So, so here's, you know, left. so, you know, there's a few skills that are not going away anytime soon, right? So, so selling, the idea of selling on the phone, in person, in writing, that's not going away anytime soon more things are going to be online and transactional, but you will never, I, I can't say never, but I think in our lifetime, 
sales will continue to be more important. And if anything, if you're 22, 19, or, or you know, maybe 25, a lot of your peers, they're afraid of the phone. If you can get over, if you have any fear or, or anxiety, if you can get over that, you know, of cold calling, of door knocking, of sliding in people's DMs or emailing, just outreaching, just that alone, that gives you balls of steel. So you can do that on your own or you can get a sales job to do that. If I was to recommend people to get a job, I would say get a sales job. The higher commission, up to 100% commission, the better. So just sales is, is a, just a killer skill set. Then you've got writing and you can kind of split that into two categories. You've got copywriting. So really deliberately persuasive writing. And then you've got content writing. So maybe a blog post that's highly specialized. Copywriting is always in the mix, but sometimes it's really more direct response, like writing an ad or a sales page, but there's also crafting content, right? So maybe you're creating a niche site in the martial arts niche and your goal is to sell a supplement. Well, a review of that supplement and demonstrating your expertise. So, so writing and copywriting. Then you've got design and design is, you know, both the user interface and the user experience. So it could be just a logo. It could be an entire page. It could be systems design. So, you know, tools like Zapier, like Airtable and ClickFunnels, etc. And you could have a systems offer. If you just go and have a chance to look at how I'll go back to plumbers, how they run their business and their voicemail and their email inbox. Jeff and I would go in there and many of you listening, you already know how to do it. If you don't, you can learn how to do it. Um, you could give them back probably 10 hours a week. So that could be another offer. It doesn't necessarily have to be a profit generating offer. It could be a time saving or it could eliminate, and I don't want to be you know, mean here, but you could replace an employee by creating the right systems. So designing the right systems, you could replace an employee. And then you've got the whole aesthetic of, uh, of design. In most cases, I think design is overrated. The experience is more important. But when you're building a brand like Rugged Legacy, obviously, and maybe I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Jeff, how, how much do you think about design and how impactful is that, do you think, in your business? Well, being a men's grooming business, it's definitely uh, important. Uh, I actually was thinking about this, and I wrote a little bit about it uh, yesterday. Uh, you know, the post-war 19, late 1940s, early 1950s, we started to see an influx of, you know, the birth of rock and roll, and you had the greasers and the guys tuning up cars, chasing poodle skirts. Then the, that was the kind of the resurgence of men who realized how much their aesthetic impacted uh, how the world perceived them. You know, the, the letter jacket, the pompadour, greased back hair, you know, the the James Dean tussle, you know, on their, the way they looked and their whole aesthetic when they stood next to their souped up car uh, impacted the way the world saw them. And so aesthetic, aesthetic design, aesthetic focused design is much more important than just design itself. You know, for, you know, with rugged legacy, I'm speaking to the guy who is trapped inside his cubicle and can't wait to ditch the tie and throw on his hiking boots on the weekend or the guy who was already living the dream, you know, on his ranch in Wyoming with a river of pasture and mountains in the backdrop. So creating an aesthetic and a feel that tells its own story is important with design. But like you were saying, design itself isn't as important as the experience. You can add to the experience of design by focusing on the aesthetics. Uh, but that said, before we wrap up, because we're almost at our time limit, uh, you want to plug your upcoming free course here? Sure. So I, uh, I've had the great pleasure of learning from some of the biggest, best accounts on Twitter. And so we're recording this August 20th, 2020. And in late April, so um, about four months ago, I decided that I wanted to start writing daily. And that took the form of tweeting. 
So I was able to increase the audience. So the tribe that I'm building and it's, I really see it as a tribe and as, you know, a, a two way exchange, right? I don't like the word follower so much, uh, but you know, to use Twitter's vocabulary, um, I was able to grow the follower count or the tribe size from about 500 people in April to 17,000 now in uh, August. And I posted something yesterday saying in February, I got one new follower. Now I get about 300 new followers per day. So what I've done is I've documented everything I've learned and I have a couple of guest speakers as well. And this will all be packaged up in a free course, uh, no strings called Twitter growth, influence and monetization. And speaking of design, so I did take care there to host that on a nice platform. So um, it will be released probably already by the time this podcast episode is out. And I'm proud of the content. I'm proud of the kind of guest modules I was able to, to secure for the course. And the user experience on mobile, on tablet, on desktop. And, um, you know, is that better or is the content better? You tell me. That's awesome. Uh, so Oliver, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Uh, I'll be sure to post a link up when this episode is released. You guys listening can check the show notes. You'll see a link to where you can follow Oliver on Twitter. You'll be able to see the link to his free course to check that out. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Rugged Legacy Podcast. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for listening to the Rugged Legacy Podcast. I hope you've been enjoying the content on all of the episodes, especially this one here. If you'd like to become a contributor and support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash rugged legacy and click on the support icon. Everyone wants to rise from the ashes, but very few are willing to set themselves on fire. This has been a Rugged Legacy production.